With great talent comes greater preparation. Right from the moment he was born, Tiger Woods was prepared to be the very best at whatever it was he was going to do. Although the decision wasn't up to him, he fully embraced it and didn't stray from it, not once. His father, Earl Woods made sure to instill the love for golf in him early in his childhood by having Tiger's highchair in the garage so he could watch his dad swing golf clubs and make shots at a tender age of eight months. But he wasn't just a savant at golf, no, in fact, his mother, Cutlita Tida Woods noticed early his affinity for numbers and started to teach him to add, subtract and multiply when he was barely two years old. Whilst he learned things every other kindergarten kid would at school, he secretly operated at a higher grade level. A shy kid, Tiger always kept quiet and to himself, and as such made it impossible to gauge his abilities at school, but his parents knew, they knew just what he was, and what he would be able to do. They dedicated a lot of time and energy into his development, pretty early, earlier than any child sports genius today or any genius of any kind in fact. They saw something, they couldn't tell what it was, not even Tiger could, but the one thing his father always said that was able to amply describe him, it was that he was the chosen one. At the time, it was very precarious to be a black man in a sport that had an exclusive membership. The golf clubs and resorts also restricted membership to just golfers of the Caucasian race. This whole dynamic, it infuriated Earl, who already had a great racial bias, and it was for him an opportunity to get one back for his cause, the black cause. He was known to sing his son's praises, high and loud and to whoever would listen. In 1978, when Tiger was barely two, his father made a bold phone call to Jim Hill, a sports anchor at television station KNXT, telling him that his son was going to be the biggest thing in golf, ever. This bold assertion piqued Jim's interest and he had to come to see for himself, and when he did, he knew he had just gotten a first look at the future of golf. One consistent factor in his early years was the sheer amount of time he put into practicing golf. He'd clock hours just striking the ball whichever distance his kid, and he could hit a ball, really far. He had such immense talent for a kid his age and before he was through with his teenage years, the world had caught the tiger fever and everyone wanted to have him on their stations or magazines, he was a sensation. He never played another sport, although he wanted to, his parents insisted he play nothing but golf. His sole channel for his feverish genius was just golf, he didn't keep many friends or interests beyond golf and golf-related things. The Woods' idea of quality family time was Tiger playing golf with his Earl and Catilda making sure he was always ready to do play golf with his Earl. Earl was a hard man, owing to his time in the army, he was known to implement prisoner-of-war tactics on Tiger whenever he practiced. Though inhumane, Tiger admits his dad's training was the key to his success. He learned to practice at an early age to separate emotions from the game, he was what his father termed, a cold-blooded assassin. This, Tiger argues, was equally balanced with his mother's unflinching love for him, her support, care, and affection were important ingredients in the stew that became his success story. Over the course of his rise to stardom, from varsity gold tourneys to junior amateur competitions and his early debut to the PGA, Tiger was amply met with the right kind of help, the right kind of people and at just the right time. We shall explore this in the following chapters. In your climb to the top, you will require more than just a little help. Earl Woods is quoted as saying his son would pioneer a movement so great that he'd eclipse anyone else before him and that he'd make it possible for people of color to get access to more and more in not just golf but in so much more. But he couldn't achieve this with just his genius, he couldn't be golf's great black hope by virtue of his existence alone. He needed help, he needed guidance. 
The earliest source of guidance in his life was his father and role model, Earl Woods. Already a father of three before he got married to Tiger's mother, Lieutenant Colonel Earl Woods was what was known as an obsessive father to Tiger. He wanted to do to him what his own father did to him, force an expectation of himself he couldn't achieve on his son instead. But Tiger continues to this day to credit his success to his father. Earl was there for every part of Tiger's life, from show and tell at school and on the road for his golf tournaments. When you saw Tiger, Earl was not far behind. Another person who gave him guidance and a needed edge in his game was his mother, Catilda Woods. She would tell him to not make friends with the competition and go for the kill instead. This, in addition to his father's training, gave Tiger a sort of mental strength that was literally hard to beat. She also offered undying support, love, attention, and affection. She would take him to the driving range when he was little and would also be an ever-present figure in his professional career and beyond. She was also instrumental in getting him his first private golf instructor, Randy Duran, who by virtue of the sheer potential of Tiger's gift, and the obvious lack of funds in the Woods house, chose to teach Tiger for no charge at all. Randy also fitted Tiger with his own set of golf clubs to improve his game even further. Among the list of many mentors was John Anselmo, the head pro at Meadowlark Golf Course in Huntington Beach, Wally Goodman, head coach at Stanford, Claude Harmon Jr., known simply as Butch, on the PGA Tour, was the son of Eugene Claude Harmon Sr., who won the Masters in 1948 and he was also the director of golf at Lochinvar Golf Club, an exclusive all-male club in Houston. He also served as Greg Norman's swing coach in 1993. And then as he grew older, Tiger needed more than physical training, he was going to be a star athlete and they all had psychologists, and that's where Jay Brunza, Ph.D. came into the picture. His child therapy technique came in handy for a gifted kid like Tiger, as they had sessions where he would ask Tiger to visualize shots in the range of a hole. He called it a form of deep absorbent hypnosis, and it worked. Tiger's mind had become more aware and at age 12, he was now very fascinated by his equipment and he wanted to learn just how to tune a grip on a club or change the finish to give himself an edge on the green. His coach, Anselmo, noticed this and put Tiger onto his former student, Scott Cameron who had given up going pro and now designed golf equipment. Tiger's gift was obvious but it needed direction if it was going to get him far. And with a gift like his, the direction would find him, in time. It came in the form of many accomplished coaches and professionals who seek to be a part of his journey. They wanted to be able to say that they were instrumental in the rise of a man, even though he was still but a shy boy. One of these people who stood out and was instrumental to his rise to stardom in regards to funding, access, and reach was John Merchant who was the first black member of the USGA Executive Committee. His role in Earl's and Tiger's life was without a doubt the most important. He got them the funding they needed even when it brought his job under scrutiny. He sent out letters with his office's letter heading, effectively breaching several laws and so on but he didn't care. His loyalty and tenacity were as fervent as was Tiger's. The key to staying great is to never rest on your laurels, always change your approach, never get satisfied. It is true that for Tiger Woods one thing was pertinent as he entered any golfing competition, he expected to win. Whether this boldness rested on his apparent gifts was not entirely clear, in fact, he developed this mindset early enough that he had to always win. He hated to lose. And even when he won, outshot the competition, he was always seeking ways to improve his game, fix his swing or adjust something in his run-up to a shot. Tiger was insatiable, no amount of victories or milestones he reached were enough. He always wanted more. 
Some argue that this is a byproduct of his father's drilling but Tiger insists he simply was a born winner and had no problem winning everything, every time. He was very competitive growing up, even with elders and his coaches. They were playing to teach but he was playing to win. This was why he never quit practicing, even when he perfected a swing or a shot or how to grip a club, he wanted to surpass the level he had just attained. His competition was himself, on the course and in life. But this wasn't the case growing up, he always looked up to Jack Nicklaus as a golf legend. He would tape stats about him on his wall as a form of a checklist, he was determined to beat every record Big Jack had set in his lifetime and do it earlier. That was the ultimate goal, to achieve something Jack had but do it at a younger age. First was the U.S. Amateur Trophy, then when he turned pro, it was every PGA event. Each one held for him a great significance and he broke every single record or equaled it. He was on the path to becoming a living legend and he wasn't even 22 yet. Some would relax at this point, 21 and worth over $60 million in endorsements and ranked number one golfer in the U.S. But not Tiger. In fact, he sought to change his swing altogether, this was the same swing that brought him to stardom, it was downright crazy. He no longer wished to hit the ball as far as he could, now instead he wished to form a whole new swing that would reduce the height of the ball's trajectory but in effect increase range. This decision was tough and the consequences were even harder, his swing coach, Butch Harmon, didn't dare deny Tiger's wish even though he wasn't in support of it. When they started tweaking, his game immensely slacked and opened the way for a hotshot newcomer, David Duval to rise up the ranks and unseat Tiger in the rankings. This feeling, this new experience of loss hurt Tiger greatly but his ultimate quest for perfection was like a numbing patch to the pain. He put his foot down and continued training and when he was done, in 1998, after several losses, he came out on top once again. He had gotten control of his swing, his shot force and effectively, the ball. But that was still not enough, he wanted even more. Now a pro golf player, the equipment from Cameron had been replaced with clubs and balls from Titleist. The balls were made from Balata and everyone on the court used one of the same designs, but at the time, Nike was already a part of Tiger's life, being an endorsed athlete, and he had caught wind of a new ball design that would revolutionize the game, his game. He immediately sought to test these new, rubber core, balls until he made them his. For Tiger, each time he won, he never acted like it. To him, he was always expecting to win. There were no after-parties filled with drunken people or the likes. He led a very secret life but most importantly, he always desired the hunger that kept him winning. He never let himself get complacent, or show any emotion on the course. Not even when fans cheered on or he clenched in his hand yet another trophy, he wore a trademark scowl and still went about his business of winning. This calculated approach was very effective, in golf, but his personal life suffered greatly, his relationships were bearing the brunt of his assassin lifestyle. He barely considered marriage and he had already messed up the only real relationship he had with a woman, his high school sweetheart, Dina Gravel and would go on to ruin a lot more others including his eventual marriage to Ellen Nordegren when he decided to trail a dark and not so very unfamiliar lifestyle. There will be great darkness on your journey, you will lose sight of the goal but always remember to get back on track. A part of Tiger's life that didn't make it to the media was his father's infidelity and abusive relationship with his mum, Catilda. He was a notorious womanizer and a drunk, in fact, when he met Tiger's mum, he was married with three kids. He later went on to divorce his wife and marry Catilda, whom you would think would be spared Earl's excesses. But he also cheated on her too, and Tiger knew. 
In a sad case of Tiger C., Tiger Do, where he copied what he saw. Tiger Woods grew up to be just like his father. He disrespected women and always made comments and references to his sexual prowess just as his father would. Growing up, he wished to be a better man than his father and treat his own wife better but with the kind of fame he encountered, women were literally pouring on his lap like hot coffee and he was poorly equipped to handle all that attention. Although his team did a good job of handling his excesses, it was little secret that Tiger was indulging women that tickled his fancy. He had started living in Vegas and the lifestyle simply consumed him, he gambled a lot and hosted exotic dancers in his private time. Even when he got engaged to Ellen, he was still setting up hush-hush rendezvous and members of his team were a party to it. This, of course, would continue throughout the marriage and ultimately wreck it, this had such an effect on him that he simply slumped from his blistering golf form, it was as if he was washed up. News broke out he had been having affairs but one stood out the most, Rachel Yucatel. She was a nightclub hostess in New York whom he had met and fallen for during one of his visits to New York in 2009. Though the list of women he had relations with in secret numbered almost a hundred, she stood out as the one who'd lead to him getting exposed. Tiger's once innocent life had spun into a scene from Scarface, he had women on call and he cheated with such impunity you wouldn't suspect, and Ellen didn't, not once that he was being unfaithful. But one fateful day that his wife would discover the truth and he'd be involved in a car crash trying to escape his home at 2.30 a.m., all of his sins would be open to all and not just his unsuspecting family. He endured a media haul unlike any other, so bad he had to check into rehab for sexual addiction and finally sought the path to redemption. Ellen had taken the kids and left for Europe leaving just him to meet an empty house upon his return from rehab. He truly was reaping the fruits of his wrongs, and the normal tiger would have shrugged it off but with his wife and kids out and all his endorsements, except Nike and EA Sports, distancing themselves from him, he was well and truly alone. The once-in-charge peak athlete finally realized he needed to admit he had lost it. On 19 February 2010, the once silent and private man issued an apology to the world, hoping for one person's forgiveness really. His wife's. This was but the first step in recovery for Tiger's slumped golf career. In the three months of the scandal's expose, he had stopped playing altogether, even issued a statement that he was taking an indefinite leave from golf. He later admits that this break was requested by his wife while he figured things out. Although he returned to golf officially years earlier, owing to a couple of derailment and media backlash, he had to endure a tumultuous ordeal as he struggled to find the form on the green or grace in the eyes of the public and with his wife who later filed for divorce. He would go on to win his first trophy in 144 days in 2018, the U.S. Tour Championship and also his fifth Masters in 2019. Despite his crash from his path, Tiger found a way to bounce back and still reach heights he'd previously been at, albeit at the age of 43, 11 years later. Conclusion Every success story has these key elements, preparation, determination, practice, and discipline. For Tiger, these played a heavy role in his life and helped shape him into the world's greatest golfer, but they also were so much of a weight that these keys to success became a burden that drove him to addiction. He was lucky to be surrounded by love and loyalty even when he faltered and he kept the training that made him who he is close to heart. Try this, Tiger Woods was known to be able to practice golf for hours on end without falling prey to any form of distraction, his superb game is hinged greatly on this key factor. If you seek perfection, you do not necessarily need to be gifted or special, instead, you must be willing to always put in the extra hours.
From the words of footballing genius, Thierry Henry, amateurs call it genius, masters call it practice. Put more hours into learning the skill you wish to perfect and you'll be well on your way. <laughs>